So I um I forgot to tell you guys that so we had a little basketball tournament this you know uh, this week. It was fun. I did good. Uh, I made. Uh, we didn't video it. Uh, they beat us um, 20, 26 to 18, the freshmen did. But I did make both of my three-point shots. Huh? No, I didn't cry. No. I'm not, no. Um, no, I actually made both, both three-pointers, so I did good. But, boy, I didn't think I was going to play, y'all. Um, I had a crazy week. I had uh, semisoiditis or something. On the my ball of my right foot was swelled up Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday. Went down Wednesday night. We go to Win Dixie, and I fell in Win Dixie. True story. All right, they've got it on video somewhere. But no, I bet you it is. That's what I was saying. They had to have a camera. Yeah, the only person who know, only people know the person who saw the video and me because no one saw it. Like I, you know, I slipped on a piece of fruit, um, stubbed my toe, went down, dropped all my mangoes. Uh, you know, just like you know. Crazy and, and and it's still it's still black and blue my toe, uh, but I still played and we had a good time anyway. Um, no, I should have uh, whoever those those, those people are, uh, but uh, yeah, people at um, Facebook and people listening to the po- to the podcast about like, what are you talking about? Right. But anyway, so we'll we'll get started officially now. Uh, I meant to tell you that earlier. So um, uh, popularity. Popularity brings up different um, thoughts, I think, in, in, in people's heads. Uh, I know I'll be completely honest. That, that's something I wanted to be. You know, I, I wanted to be popular. I, I, um, when I was in high school, man, I wanted people to, to, uh, to know who I was. Um, I, I was voted uh, friendliest in high school, senior year, which, which, is, which is very, I'm, I'm, I'm proud of. But um, to be honest with you, some of that, uh, there, there wasn't always great intentions in that. So a lot of times my intention was that I could be popular. When I was in high school, I wasn't saved. Um, but popularity is is uh, it, it can be dangerous. The thing is, in, in this section we're going to read today, and it's not up there, so you have to stay with me, and I'll try to be more patient. But Jesus was extremely popular in our passage today. Okay, extremely. Um, of course, we know that his intentions were altogether pure and righteous um, and without sin. But we do see all sorts of people coming to him today. Okay, uh, and the title of the sermon is number twelve. It's uh, Mark chapter three. If you want to go ahead and turn there, verse starting in verse seven. Okay, Mark chapter three, starting in verse seven. And the title of the message is "Coming to Jesus." Coming to Jesus. Now, uh, today I'm going to attempt to describe uh, different groups of people, and Miss Dolores is going to love my alliteration today. I'll have four groups of people. All started with the letter D. All right, and uh, and we're gonna gonna ask on each when we look at each one, we're gonna ask the question, what about that party's intentions? All right, and that's gonna be a little uh, speculative on our part, but we're still gonna ask that question, um, and and we don't know for sure uh, about that because only God knows the heart, but I think we can make an educated guess uh, and see how that applies to our lives as we look at our own hearts and our intentions as far as why we come to Jesus. So that's where we're going today, and so. Uh, you know, if you do take notes, the, the central statement is the divisions of people coming to Jesus were droves, diseased, demon-possessed, and disciples. All right, so I'm going to say it again. The divisions of people coming to Jesus in our passage today were droves, diseased, demon-possessed, and disciples. We're going to look at each one, and we're going to start in Mark chapter 3, verse 7. We're going to read the first uh, read verses 7 through 9 first. All right, and so here we go. 
said Jesus departed with his disciples to the sea, and a large crowd followed from Galilee, and a large crowd followed from Judea, Jerusalem, Idumea, beyond the Jordan, and around Tyre and Sidon. The large crowd came to him because they heard about everything he was doing. Then he told his disciples to have a small boat ready for him so that the crowd wouldn't crush them. Okay, now, so the first word is droves, and this is large groups, okay? Um, three times in, that, in, that, uh, in those verses, they say, uh, the Mark uses the word large crowd, okay, three times. Now, um, what's the biggest concert? What do you think? This is like a quiz. I mean, this is audience participation. What band or uh, musician would you think had the largest um, concert in terms of population in attendance of all time? Beatles, Elvis, Rolling Stones, Michael Jackson. Exactly probably what I would have guessed too. Y'all are all wrong. Nope. Rod Stewart. Rod Stewart. 1994, 1995, New Year's Eve, 1994, December, January 1995, a concert at Copacabana Beach. All right, more than three and a half million people. Okay. I have no idea how. All right, that's the reports on it. Okay, uh, if you don't really know, I didn't know how I didn't know how to contextualize that number, uh, and so here's what I here's let me relate it in terms of cities in Florida, three times the population of Jacksonville, <laughs> um, and about the same population of Tampa and St. Petersburg. It's a lot of people down there. Okay, so crazy, right? But the idea, and, and, and I, mean, I I just happened to ask. Uh, like last week at, uh, at, at Gamma's house, you know, about Elvis Presley and, and uh, you know, and my Aunt Brenda told me about them going to a to an Elvis Presley concert and, uh, you know, uh, how they stood on, the women stood on chairs, you know, and were so excited. But anyway, um, but I, I picture those same ones you guys said and Michael Jackson, the Beatles, and just, ah, you know, uh, just, just hysteria, right? Um, again, um, we, we see three times here that he says a large crowd. So Matthew points out um, several times all right, in the book of Matthew that Jesus withdrew to more remote places after confrontations with, with the religious leaders. And have we had three of those the last three weeks? We've had confrontations, you know, with, with religious leaders. Hey, man, well, how come yours don't fast? Hey, how come yours are eating, you know, cr uh, grain? Hey, well, you want to heal that guy right now on the Sabbath? And, you know, and so it appears that this may have been the case here, that he, he withdrew. Uh, he just had a few uh, run-ins with the Pharisees. Um, and, and something, before I kind of get into the meat of it, I, I kind of have to take a dirt road, uh, dirt road, side road here for a moment because it preached, it preached to me. Right, and, and, I, and I feel like it will preach to you, is the fact that in all the situations that we'll look at today, Jesus did not turn people away in every situation. No matter their intentions, Jesus didn't turn them away, and he won't turn you away. Amen? He won't turn you away. Okay? Uh, you don't have to clean up. I've said this many times. You don't have to clean up to come to Jesus. Come as you are. Okay? Just as you are, he will not turn you away. That's a, a big amen to me. Um, he was never too busy. He was never too tired. Uh, he, he never he wasn't ever like not feeling like it uh, he 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 was there uh, for any of those things to help people he was always about his father's business and that always preaches to me because I know even you know I continue to, to know that this that's something I need to work at I need to be better at um, because uh, I, I'm not always that way I don't always feel like it you know and, and, and I don't always want to be bothered right now or uh, whatnot whatnot so I know I should be more like that uh, too often I let my human limitations stop me um, 
or, uh, there. I, I don't think I'm the only one, but I'll preach to myself here. Nonetheless, Jesus helped people. So, uh, so in, in spite of the, the many religious leaders that were opposed to Jesus, it didn't stop the masses from being attracted to him. The droves, large crowds. In fact, some theologians say that uh, this passage is an indication that he was like done with the religious group. Uh, he, he was done with them altogether, and he's like, okay, y'all ain't listening, so I'm just going to turn to uh, others. Okay. Now, uh, he's like, I'm finished with you all. Let me turn to the masses. I, I don't know exactly whether that's the case or not, but I can see why they would say that. Because okay? he is having these run-ins. like, you know what, I'm just going to turn, turn here to, these, uh, to the crowds. There was something that drew people to Jesus. There was something. And, and, and you can think of your heart and your life whenever you uh, gave your life to Christ. What, what drew you? What was it that drew uh, you to Christ? Okay? Well, it was the Holy Spirit okay? that, was, that was working on your life. Okay, but um, there's something that, that you're like, you know, um, maybe it was the, uh, the, Ho the Holy Spirit used the word of a preacher or the word of a Sunday school teacher or a friend or a mom or a dad or whatever and said, you know, yes, I, I need to make that decision. So we're going to look at, uh, more at that in a moment, but where are these crowds from? So Galilee, Judea, and Jerusalem, you see that section, right? They said that, well, that's basically where he spent most of his time, and they would have been mostly Jewish, okay? Uh, Idumea. Um, 120 miles south, 120 miles south, um, mixed mixed Jewish Gentile, okay, mixed Jewish and Gentile, and then uh, beyond the Jordan, they say that, that's to the east, okay, another mixed Jewish Gentile group, and then 50 miles north, Tyre and Sidon, okay, and they're mostly Gentile, so Basically everywhere, okay? Uh, the, and Edward says this, The fame of Jesus is far-reaching and all-encompassing, which is all the more remarkable given the social cleavages of the day and the, you know, and the divisions and the Jewish and the Gentiles and you know, uh, the fact that it didn't matter, you know, Jewish or Gentile, right? All of them were coming to Jesus, which I find uh, pretty interesting. So basically the whole area where he lived. In verse 9, uh, we see kind of a, a, an interesting word that kind of indicates a, a meaner attitude for the droves. Do you see, uh, maybe you see what I'm talking about in verse 9. He, he says, then he told his disciples to have a small boat ready for him so the crowd wouldn't crush him. Okay, interesting. All right, so there seems to be a, a meaner uh, connotation there. And that Mark says that Jesus told him to have a boat ready so the crowd wouldn't crush him. All right, interesting. Uh, and Edward says this, the crowd is a paradox. Uh, its needs command Jesus' attention, and Jesus is fully attentive to the misery present in its numbers, but its clamor is not a response of faith. It, it, it's kind of like, you know, and that, bring, and that brings me to the question I'm going to ask each one. What about the intentions? Okay. Um, well, they have not become disciples yet, have they? doesn't say that they have. But they were interested in coming to Jesus, but why? Why? Well, the end of verse 8 indicates that the people coming to Jesus, coming to see Jesus, may not have had the purest intentions. Look in verse 8. It says, because they heard about everything he was doing. Okay, so I don't know about you, but I think of like, um, you know, it probably wasn't the greatest intentions there. Okay, he heard what was going on. I want to be a part of what was going on over there. Let, let, me, let me go a little further. So basically, what can Jesus do for me? Y'all see that? Hey, um, you know, uh, did you know that right now the biggest the biggest name in sports is the Peacocks? Yeah. All right, Mr. Rick, y'all know about it because y'all watch the basketball. St. Peter's University Peacocks right now. 
they are, they are the only 15, number 15 seed in history to make it to the Elite Eight. They play today to go to the Final Four. Okay? Um, St. Peter's, a little school in New Jersey. Everybody's like, oh, I love St. Peter's, man. All right, uh, yeah, I'm a St. Peter's fan. No, you, you were not a St. Peter's fan two weeks ago. Okay? But now you're a Peacock fan. Go Peacocks, right? It's, it's, see, y'all see what I'm saying? The bandwagon effect, you know? Uh, y'all know uh, whether you love me or hate me or you love the Gators or not, I'm going to be a Gator fan. I'm just, that's how I am, all right? And Jimmy just has to live with it, okay? All right? Amen. Uh, amen. That's right. You're not going to change me. Not going to change me, okay? Um, but some people, they're going to jump on, I like this team now, and then when that team's hot, they're, they're a Bama fan, fan now, and then when another team gets hot, they're going to be, you know, that team, right? Uh, I, I see the same type thing in the crowds here. Uh, and again, this is speculation, but I feel, do think you can use the you know uh, what they said there to indicate because they heard about everything he was doing. They heard, man, oh yeah, over there, Galilee, man, that Jesus guy, man, he's doing some he's doing some crazy stuff over there. By the time we might need to go over there, check that out, see what that's about. It was the thing to do, right? It was the experience, right? Um, you know, maybe they can tell people I was there. You know, I was there when Elvis Presley sang, you know, um, Jailhouse Rock or whatever, you know, uh, I don't know. Um, have we seen that with people at church? Well, I think so. In fact, what I'm about to read, I'm going to preach on in a couple weeks in Mark, but this is from the one from Matthew's reference. But Matthew 13, verses 20 and 21, if you just want to uh, listen to it, it, says, And the one sown on rocky ground, this is one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy, but he has no root, short-lived. When distress or persecution comes because of the word, immediately falls away. Okay? We're going to look at that. We're going to look at the parable of the soils instead of the sower. We're going to look at that in a couple of weeks. But as David Gusick said, it is wonderful for people to be attracted to Jesus, but if their focus, listen, is on what he can do for them instead of who he is, they will not follow him for long. Right? That is, that's truth. Okay, that's true. I, I, I added this morning that the gospel is not about addition. I'm going to add this Jesus church thing to my life, but it's about substitution. Substitution, the fact that Jesus died in my place on the cross. Okay, uh, it's not about adding this part of, you know, like add this social group in my, in my existence, in, my, in the way I live my life from Sunday to Sunday. Right? Uh, but it's about what Jesus did, substituting his life, gave him, giving his life on the cross for me. Amen? See, on the other hand, though, and this is where, and, and, and I think uh, I think I may have even talked about talked to Dana about this before, or maybe say I can't remember, but um, but I, I have a hard time sometimes because I can see both sides. In fact, didn't know it was going to happen, but last night, okay, my my dad and my uncle Stanley, if you're listening, sorry, I'm sorry, but they got into an argument, you know, uh, about something about something culturally. Um, I didn't say a word, but try to get them to go to another discussion because. He wasn't going to convince him, and he wasn't going to convince him. Why are we discussing? You'll never convince him. You'll never convince him. Why are y'all debating? It's not. Y'all keep talking, and y'all keep saying, "Well, it's my, you know, it's just, you know, we're, I'll just have to disagree." Okay, can we just stop there? Because for ten minutes they just kept talking, right? Um, and, and and here's the thing: I was in the middle of both. Okay, I can see both sides. I've always been that way. I can see two sides of the story probably too much. This might, might be why I struggle so much as a dean sometimes. Because you know, I was like, you know, can see where you did that. But because um, on the other hand, when you look at this and say, oh, they're going, they want to be part of this action, part of this experience and the popularity and all that. But on the other hand, is that really that bad? I mean, Jesus did something 
for someone else. Maybe he can do that for me. I mean, at least they were going to Jesus, not anyone else, right? I mean, I, I can see both sides. And, and whether that was for healing or whatever the case may be, he, they could have went somewhere else. See, may we be careful to judge the, the thoughts and intentions in the hearts of others. We don't know. And that should be very, very careful. We don't really know why this person or that person, you know, came to visit our church or that church or, you know, well, why didn't they stay? Well, maybe some, maybe somewhere else they felt more comfortable. I don't know. All right? Ultimately, don't we want people to come to Jesus? Amen. Again, so the divisions of people, if you missed it earlier, I'm going to say it again, were droves, secondly, diseased, which we're going to go to next, demon-possessed, and disciples. Mark 3, verse 10 since he had healed many, all who had diseases were pressing toward him to touch him. Okay. Number two, diseased. I think uh, the one disease that most everybody thinks of first is cancer, right? Um, we think when we, hear, when we hear that word, the C word, you know, it's tough. And there's people in this room that can tell you all about it. In 2022, there will be an estimated 1.9 million new cancer cases diagnosed and over 600,000 cancer deaths in the United States. Cancer is still one of the leading causes of death in our world today. Almost half of all the people who die from cancer are 70 years or older. Uh, lung cancer kills most, and smoking is largely to blame. Right? Five-year survival rates, however, are rising in the United States, so there is some hope, which is, is great. And, and you know, I can attest to that both my parents had cancer. Those with diseases were coming to Jesus. Let's look at what, uh, thinking of that same line, uh, let me make reference to Matthew chapter 9, verses 20 through 22, if you want to go to it or if you just want to listen to me. Matthew 9, 20 through 22. Just then, a woman who had suffered from bleeding for 12 years, 12 years, y'all, 12 years, approached from behind and touched the end of his robe. For she said to herself, if I can just touch his robe, I'll be made well. Jesus turned and saw her, have courage, daughter. He said, your faith has saved you. And the woman was made well from that moment. What a beautiful scene in the Bible there. And, and you know, I, I, I can go to Jesus, just like I mentioned earlier. Or how about today's, today's parallel passage in Luke? Okay, so what we're reading today, there's a parallel passage from Luke's perspective in chapter 6, verses 17 through 19, that reads like this. Luke 6, 17 through 19. After coming down with him, he stood on a level place with a large crowd of his disciples and a great number of people from all Judea and Jerusalem and from the seacoast of Tyre and Sidon. Can you, you can see the parallel there, right? It says large crowds. He, he didn't make reference to every single thing that Mark did, but you can see you can see it going together. They came to hear him and to be healed of their diseases. And those tormented by unclean spirits were made well. We're going to talk about that next point. The whole crowd... The whole crowd was trying to touch him because power was coming out from him and healing them all. Okay? Again, can you blame them? Can you blame them? Uh, I mean, if your child had a disease, uh, some of y'all know Kip McLeod. Some of you know Kip. Kip, is, uh, Kip was, uh, was he the principal when you were there? Um, Kip is my stepmom's brother. Okay? My dad's wife's brother, okay, um, and and I asked this is this is from him, and I'm not gonna I not not reading everything he sent me, but I asked him a couple weeks ago if he would he would tell me more about his son Rhett. When his son Rhett was three years old, he was diagnosed with neuroblastoma, a three year old, okay? and and I just asked him to share a little bit. So just be, you know just hang hang with me as I share some things from from Kip's perspective. He says uh, that. Rhett was in the hospital, in Shan's hospital in Gainesville, for 18 months, a year and a half. He said, I was working at Lowndes High School, and I remember 
specifically making 90 trips to Gainesville. 90. In about a four-month period after his initial surgery. Lots of windshield time during that time gave me more, many opportunities to ask God why, but never really know why. Faith was a secret. Faith was a secret. Many times I thought about how mentally tough God was making all three of us, my, uh, my wife Julie and Rhett and myself, as we went through something like this. Uh, now Rhett does not get flustered about hardly anything today as compared to his brother Grayson and him having a tendency to get stressed a little easier. It says, I, I knew God had a hand in this thing when Kristen, my oldest daughter, came home from Piedmont College to play at Baldassa State. She was a star at Piedmont and didn't play nearly as much at Valdosta State, but now I realize God made it work that way so she could uh, kind of bring us together. Okay. Another trying time was making sure that we both spent time with Grayson. Uh, he was only nine, almost to be ten, and it was very difficult to explain to him. He's always going to see red, and he got Grayson, a little nine, okay, uh, that needed some time with it with his parents as well. Also, one of the biggest things that happened was that Julie and I grew in our relationship together as well as our relationship with Jesus. We had so much support around us that God uh, led our way. We could not, we could not help but make it. Right, some, not, some cool words there. I feel like God used us for showing others anything can happen when you believe and have faith. The worst time of all came twice. He said once when they told us we had a 50-50 chance of him surviving. Uh, the next time was right before we had the bone marrow transplant. They had to take him to California for uh, when they killed all his cells and they put his own cells back in him. He was in the bone marrow unit and had scabs that bled in his throat and mouth. Then we both cried and wondered if he would make it. We only knew just hang on. We only knew just hang on. All in all, we are better people because of what we went through together. I can say with all honesty, I'm thankful that God allows us all to struggle, not just to test us, but to make us stronger Christians. All right, so thank you, Mr. Kip, for sharing that with me. But the intentions of the disease. Well, again, uh, similarly to the droves, I would guess that it was about what Jesus could do for them. But again, can you blame them? <laughs> Can't blame them, especially after hearing and knowing. And I went through some similar things, but nothing like that. You know, that, that Kip and them had to go through. France said, The crowd seems to have had little interest in Jesus other than as a miracle worker. Despite this, he graciously healed many of them anyway. Look, I, I'm, I'm not against doctors and hospitals, but I also know that Jesus can heal without them sometimes. <laughs> you know, and yes, he uses them. My, my, my brother-in-law is a, is a testament to that. I mean, he's been a doctor for years, you know, and he's helped many people. Uh, I, I don't... This hasn't happened a whole lot to me. I think this might be the only time. Uh, but I tore my ACL in college. Okay? Uh, had reconstructed knee surgery. And then uh, that's when I was at North Florida. Then when I was at Valdosta State, my knee was, I did something to it. And I remember going on a Wednesday night to Burnham, to Burnham Christian Church. I'm like, man, my, my knee, I don't know what I did, but I think I might have messed it up again. Uh, all, they prayed. And all I know is I didn't have any problem with my knee after that point. Now, I... You know, and, and and does that happen every time? No, all right. But it happened that time. <laughs> so, um, again, sometimes healing can be a testimony of the goodness of God as well. When it's not abused, they're made to be a show. All right. Okay. The divisions of people again: droves, diseased, demon possessed, and disciples. And we won't spend as much time on the next one as as the others. But I still want to want to mention because it's in there. Verses eleven and twelve. In Mark chapter 3, whenever the unclean spirit saw him, they fell down before him and cried out, You are the Son of God. 
<coughs> excuse me, and he would strongly warn them not to make him known. Uh, I'm going to go back also in Matthew 9, I mean Luke chapter 6, where he says they came to hear him, healed their diseases, and listen, and those tormented by unclean spirits were made well. Okay, so the unclean spirits, we're talking about um, demon possession. Okay, uh, Jesus, Jesus delivered those people from the unclean spirits. He did. Okay, and we've seen that already a couple times in the book of Mark. So what about the intentions? Well, to be delivered again. And, and again, can you blame them? I would want to be delivered from that as well. I mean, uh, now, these evil spirits were trying, if you remember, we talked about this, they're trying to gain mastery over Jesus. If they could say their name, say that was a belief then. If you, know, if you say the name of the person trying to give healing, then you could, then the demon could have control over that person. But not Jesus. <laughs> not Jesus. Um, it was a desperate and futile attempt to render Jesus harmless. The ESV study notes say, say that Jesus does not permit unclean spirits to speak about him. For even when they make true statements, unwillingly acknowledging his greater authority, their intent is still evil, and they would divulge Jesus' true identity, which at this point would lead to much misunderstanding before he wants to make himself known. wasn't his time yet okay, to, to let that part of him known. And so he didn't want uh, the testimony of the underworld, no, underworld, nor did he need it. Because right? he is King of kings and Lord of lords. Amen. He will, we will all bow down before him one day. Okay, um, whether we want to or not, okay, we're going to do it willingly or unwillingly, but we're going to do it. All right, um, it, it, it wasn't his time yet. Philippians 2, verses 10 to 11 says, So that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under earth, and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Last time I checked, every means all, right, Jimmy? I think. Jimmy even got that one right. That was a bad joke, Jimmy. I love you. All right, uh, I mean, that, I, I, that that come across as you don't know much, but that's not true. All right, I, I, I asked Jimmy. He knows actually. Actually, knows a good bit. All right, he had me as an English teacher. <laughs> um, just playing. Okay, just playing with you. the divisions of people coming to Jesus. We had droves to seize the demon possessed, and let's look at disciples. So let's look at that. Thirteen through nineteen. Jesus went up the mountain and summoned those he wanted, and they came to him. He appointed twelve whom he also named apostles. I'm going to go ahead and stop right there and say, yes, okay. The fourth point really technically should be apostles, but I wanted to make it alliterative because I wanted Mr. Loris to still be on my side, okay? All right? Uh, no, I do like it for it to be alliterative, but disciples is really more apostles here, okay? Um, but we're still going to use both words interchangeably. Um, and, he, and to have authority to drive out, sorry, let me go back, go back to verse 14. He appointed twelve, whom he also named apostles, to be with him, to send them out to preach, and to have authority to drive out demons. He appointed the twelve, to Simon he gave the name Peter, and to, and to James the son of Zebedee, um, and to his, wait, uh, wait, I lost my part, um, son of Zebedee, and to his brother John, he gave the name Bornerges, Bornerges, that is sons of thunder, uh, Andrew, Philip, and Bartholomew, Matthew, and Thomas, James the son of Alphaeus, and Thaddeus, Simon the Zealot, the Zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who also betrayed him. So, four disciples. Now, now we see Jesus chose his 12 apostles. Warren Wiersbe said, A disciple is one who learns by doing. Our modern equivalent might be an apprentice. An apostle is one who is sent on official service with a commission. Jesus had many disciples, but only 12 apostles, his special ambassadors, if you will. And if you uh, uh, humor me for a few moments, and, and let me tell you a little bit about these, what happens to these 12 men. Okay, So Simon, based on history okay, and uh, what, what little research that there actually is on it, uh, we believe this to be true. Um, Simon, Jesus changed his name to Peter. 
which y'all know what it means? Brought, that's right. He was crucified in Rome around 66 AD under Emperor Nero. Uh, some say that he was crucified upside down, right? Because he didn't consider himself worthy to die the same way that Jesus did. James, son of Zebedee, he was actually the first of the twelve to be put to death. John, uh, James and John were given the name Sons of Thunder, and John is commonly thought of as Apostle of Love. But he didn't begin with that kind of reputation. Okay? Uh, and also he wrote the Gospel of John, the Book of Revelation, and three epistles bearing his name. Bearing his name. First, second, third John. Okay? Uh, tradition says he ended his life ministering in the region around Ephesus. Okay? Uh, Andrew, brother of Peter, traveled north and brought the good news to what is now Russia and western regions of the former Soviet Union. He later, later traveled through modern-day Turkey and Greece where he was martyred. Fifth, Philip. He ministered in North Africa and Asia Minor. Traditions say that the Roman proconsul was so enraged that his wife had converted to Christianity because of Philip's preaching that he had Philip brutally put to death. Bartholomew, or Nathaniel, uh, apparently loved to travel and again eventually martyred for his faith. Uh, Matthew, um, the, the author of the book of Matthew, who, um, his name was changed from Levi and Matthew means the gift of God. He preached the gospel, and some accounts say he was stabbed to death in Africa. Uh, the eighth one, Thomas, traveled east, preached the gospel, and was eventually stabbed at the hands of four soldiers. Ninth one, James, son of Alphaeus, or James the Lesser, or James the Younger, if you may have heard referred to it as that, preached north of Israel, stoned, and then clubbed to death. Thaddeus, preached and killed with arrows in Turkey's mountains, north region, mountainous north region. And then Simon the Zealot, eventually sawn in half in Persia. And then Judas Iscariot, who betrayed Jesus. See, as Wiersbe said, it is encouraging to see what Jesus was able to do with such a diversified group of unlikely candidates for Christian service. There is still hope for us. I like that. All right, still, still hope for me. All right, what is interesting is that Simon appears first in each list that they, where they list the apostles, and Judas appears last in each one. So a little bit of trivia there for you. Uh, these men were two things, okay? They were to be with Jesus and to be used by Jesus. All right? Those were the two things, okay? To be with Christ and to be used by Christ. And that should be the case for us as followers of Christ now, right? It should be what our desire. We should desire to have a relationship with Jesus, to commune with Him, to be with Him, to, to, to read the Word, to pray, all right? Uh, and then to be used by Christ, to use our gifts, our spiritual gifts, which we have had a study about that, but we, we have them. Okay? Uh, to use our gifts to advance the kingdom of God. Okay? That's what we're to do. All believers, all believers should strengthen their relationship with Christ and be used by Christ to serve Him in this world. And then Judas, uh, I like what James Edwards says about him. He says, Judas stands as a reminder that the followers of Jesus are not perfect nor do they have to be to accomplish the purposes of which he calls them. See, rather, Jesus accomplishes his purposes in spite of their failure, perhaps even through it. It will, in fact, be on the night in which Jesus is betrayed that Jesus will inaugurate the new covenant. Interestingly said there. A man once asked a theologian, why did Jesus choose Judas Iscariot to be his disciple? The teacher replied, I don't know, but I have an either, even harder question. Why did Jesus choose me? See, it's, uh, what about the intentions? Well, they were already following him, but at this point, only the demons really knew for sure that Jesus was the Son of the living God. But they did follow Jesus, and then we see, we see what they did. We see how they gave their lives to Christ. Amen? And they, leave, they see how they, they even um, were martyred for the cause of the gospel. 
So we see where they went with it. And that they did uh, continue to be with him. And then they were used by Christ. Amen. So the conclusion, what about, what about us today? And the first obvious question is, have you even come to Jesus at all? I mean, maybe, hopefully, hopefully you have, but if you haven't, today's the day. You're, you're, there's a reason why you're here. Come to Him, just like we mentioned earlier, He won't turn you away. He didn't turn any of those people away. No matter what their intentions were, He didn't turn them away. Right, Brother Tommy? Matthew 11, 28-30, which seems to be a common verse. It's funny how God will do that. It'll be like a common passage that keeps popping up. And, and it's this one for me uh, today. Come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will what? Give you rest. Take up my yoke and learn from me because I am lowly and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. It's not going to be all uh, rainbows and sunshine and ice cream, although we love ice cream. Right? It's, uh, but it will be worth it. Amen? It will be worth it. And if you have come to Him, examine your thoughts toward Him uh, today. Are you, are you still striving to get something from Jesus? Even Because we're not perfect. We're, we are, we, and as long as we're in this flesh, we're going to struggle with sin. Okay? So, you know, what is our intentions? You know, to get something from Jesus right, every day? Or are we here to serve Him, to be with Him and to be used by Him? I want to end with a quote by Carson, D.A. Carson. It was, he says this, It was a strange group of men our Lord chose to be his disciples. Four of them were fishermen, one a hated tax collector, another a member of a radical and violent political party. Of six of them, we know practically nothing. All were laymen. There was not a preacher or an expert in the scriptures in the lot. Yet it was with these men that Jesus established his church and disseminated his good news to the end of the earth. If he can do that with them, what can he do with us? Okay. Be willing to be used by him today as we ask Sally to come down.